Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Bibles this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to start this morning. Y'all come ready to receive something this morning. Listen, let me encourage you, come with expectancy to the house of God. Don't come flat. Huh? You come flat, you're going to leave flat. (laughs) You come with expectancy, I'm telling you, you'll be charged and ready to go for the rest of your week and God's going to give you something. If you really come with an ear to hear and to listen to the word, I promise you, you will hear the word of God in this pulpit. You'll hear the word of God in this church. I am not a fluff preacher and I'm not one that's going to just build you up and send you on your way and with a bunch of fluff stuff. I'm going to send you with the word of God, arm arm you. I want want to help arm this church body with the things that that God wants us to be armed with. I'm going to help uh, uh, shepherd and lead this church body in the way that God is calling us and stewarding us and, and shepherding us to shepherd, amen, because we follow the good shepherd, and so Pastor Chelsea and I, we, we want to be consistent in continuing to speak the word, and so whenever you show up to church, don't come with a religious obligation, but come with a righteous expectation, not a religious obligation, but rather a righteous expectation of what God wants to speak into your life, amen. How many of you agree in this room today, uh, well, let's start with this, uh, we've been in a series, Get Ready for Growth, somebody say, Get Ready for Growth. And that's what we feel like the Lord's been speaking to us in, as we have launched the two services. This is week four of our two services. Uh, for those of you looking around and go, well, there's an empty chair here and an empty chair there, you're absolutely correct. But if we put everybody back in one service, we would be in trouble. You would not have a seat. The air conditioners cannot keep up. And you know what? We would have no more seats for people that need a seat. When you, I, want you, I want you to hear me. When you see seats that are open... That is an open seat for someone who may not know Jesus to come in and actually hear the gospel in this room. And that's important. And as far as, as I am pastor, we will always have empty seats in the room. I don't want every seat full. Because if I, want, if I have every seat full, then I, there, there's no room for people who need to be encouraged, that need to hear the gospel, that need a healing touch from Jesus. There's no room for them. And so we're going to make room all the time for our growing family. And if that means, listen to me, I'm going to go and say, if that means down the road we got to do three services, the Lord, I'll go to the chiropractor every week and get my back worked on. But we'll do three services. We're going to do what we have to do to make room for the people of God. Don't tell me that you want to reach Crestview for Jesus if you aren't willing to commit to do things that are uncomfortable for you. And you go, well, pastor, that's your job. Absolutely. But guess what? It's your job too. Jesus didn't say pastors go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He said, he's speaking to the disciples. And so as a church, we're going to commit to, there might be seasons of uncomfortability that we might have to go through. Now, we're believing for a bigger building. We're believing for a new building. We're believing for bigger things. And so y'all agree in faith with us as a church body. We want to see unity on that and pray over that. But listen, I really believe that God is preparing us for what, God, what he wants to do. And, if, and you, if you were here last week, I made a statement in the 9 a.m. service. And I, I made it again in the 11 a.m., but I had already had the revelation in the 11 a.m. In the 9 a.m. service, I said, our goal isn't growth. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, yes, it is. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, I, no, it's not. My goal is not growth, Holy Spirit. Like, I, I'll be honest with you. Can, can I be real honest? Can Pastor Mike be real honest with you? I'm going to be. Um, Pastor Chelsea and I, sometimes we look at each other like, 
So what happens if we keep growing? <laughs> like, what do we do? We have me and you and, and, and Gabby on, 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 a, on a part-time uh, 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 staff. And, 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 and for those of you who don't know the ins and outs of church, like for the size church that we are, we are actually se- severely understaffed. Uh, there are churches in Crestview I know of right now that have five staff members running l- much less than what we're running. That's not to say, oh, pity on us, because God's brought us a great community that volunteers and helps work together to further the vision of this church body, and I'm so grateful for that. But when you're a leader of something, you'll realize that there are some things that volunteer- you can't expect volunteers to do that you can only expect people that are on staff to do. And so we'll be honest with, the- with you all at times. Pastor Chelsea and I were like, if we hit 250, we start hitting 300, like, whew, Lord, what are we going to do? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, maybe, are you sure? So our goal is not growth. We're not just trying to put numbers in this room. But Holy Spirit corrected me in the 9 a.m., and he said, your goal is growth. It's personal growth. And I, in that moment, it hit me so strong, and I immediately corrected myself and through the unction of the Holy Spirit, and I encourage everyone that our goal is growth. And I want that to be a big thing in our church right now. I want you to remember this. Our goal is growth. It is you to grow and blossom into the fullness. It would be silly as me as a pastor to preach, you need to be planted in the house of the Lord so you can flourish in the courts of our our God if I'm not committed to helping you grow in the house of the Lord and flourish into the courts of your God. So our goal as pastors, just so you know, Pastor Chelsea and I, our goal is we are committed to your personal growth and walk with Jesus. And that's what we want to see. Because we realize if you will be committed to your personal growth with Jesus and our whole church body gets in unity on that and we begin to really grow into who Jesus become who Jesus was, understand the way I say that, whenever we begin to become and act in the way that Jesus did whenever he walked the earth, and we begin to become and, 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 and line up into the word of God, and we come in, our, our lives and our families begin to come into alignment with what the word of God says, that is when our church body can actually begin to further in the way that God has called us to further. Think about the children of Israel. Everyone had an assignment, and whenever Joshua gave the word, they had to come into line with the word that came over the house for lack of better words. And we see that Moses had a word and people didn't come into alignment and you see where that led to. They were not willing to grow in uncomfortable spaces. We, if we want to grow into whom God has called us to be, we have to be willing to embrace some uncomfortable spaces in order to grow. We have to be willing to embrace and challenge some ways of thinking that we've had for years and years about God. We have to be willing to embrace and challenge, and let me even go as far down to say, tear down some old religious mindsets that our, see, that our city and our community has had for years, that things had to be done X, Y, Z, and you can't talk to this person. The, the, the silliness of you can't talk to a sinner or, or, or befriend a sinner, as we like to call them, which by the way, just so you know, they're people. Casey Dawson always said, they're people, not projects. The church for too long has seen people that are not, a, like, not that don't follow Jesus just as their, their project. Oh, you're my DIY. You know, like, oh, you're my fixer-upper. I'm be Joanna Gaines on you, okay? I'm making do something beautiful. No, that's not your job. Your job 
is to compel them to come in. Like your job is to spread the gospel, yes, but then you plant the seeds so the gospel can grow in them and they can grow into whom they're called to be. And the scripture, I'm gonna go and read this, okay, because I'm way ahead of myself. But uh, no, let, let, me, let me stay here for a second. Your, your goal, <laughs> we, we should be reaching our community and talking to people who think different than us, that look different than us, that sound different than us, that dress different than us, that walk different than us. We, if we don't reach them, who does? We are so we're, we're, we're conditioned to be like, you know, we want to see the lost saved. No, you don't because you don't want to talk to the lost. And it's ridiculous. We have, we have conditioned the church to be that way and stay far away because they might, I would say like Casey Doss says too, they might get their sinner juice on you. Like, you might get infected with the sinner. And it's ridiculous. Because if I'm actually walking in right standing with the Lord and the authority and the power that he's placed within us, the enemy, the scripture says that the enemy has no power over me, no authority. I actually, the scripture actually says, I have authority over any authority that the enemy may have. We're whip, we're whippy Christians that we've become. And we've become convenient Christians. It's convenient to talk to people that look like you and act like you, sound like you, believe like you, voted for the same people you did. Sometimes it's inconvenient to talk to people who don't act like you, don't talk like you, and have a differing opinion than you. But you know what those things often lead to? Growth. You will never, you will never grow beyond the conversations that you're willing to have and the things that you're willing to study. Hmm? I am way ahead of myself, but it's good. Just because your grandma believed that way and your mama believed that way does not mean that it was necessarily right. Don't be talking about my mama. Okay, Bobby Boucher. Just because they all believed one way about God and they believed that he was an angry God that was waiting to smite the sinner. They were incorrect in their theology. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve is full of compassion, grace, and mercy to people who may mess up. Because guess what? You're a mess up at times. You're a basket cake of emotions in times. You get frustrated and angry and you sin. Huh? And I'm grateful that God didn't look at me and smite me down <laughs> on the times that I got angry and I sinned. When the Bible says be angry, the, 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 anger is not the issue, sinning is the issue. It said, the Bible says be angry but sin not. Ang anger is not the problem. It's when you go beyond anger and you begin to hate. Because the Bible talk, talks about whenever you hate someone, you've already, created, you've, already, uh, uh, you've already murdered them in your heart. I just hate. I'm about to get on. We're, whoo. Y'all ready? I just hate our president. You're in sin. I'm just going to tell it like it is. I hate all the candidates that are running. You're in sin. Huh? Am I talking to anybody? Listen, as we get closer to the election, you have to get thicker skin. Because I'm beyond, I, I don't, I don't preach one party. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I do preach one party. I preach kingdom. 
That's what, we're, that's what we believe. And if we, get beyond, if we start going one way or the other, we are losing our way. Anyways, I didn't get back to my word this morning, probably. How many of you agree that the Bible's amazing? Man, it's, it's good. There's incredible stories in the word of God that'll lift your faith up, like David overcoming Goliath, right? Incredible stories. There's incredible stories of faith, like Noah building an ark in the midst of everybody making fun of him and laughing. There's incredible stories like Joshua walking around walls, lifting a shout, just being obedient to the word of the Lord and seeing walls come down and going in and taking the land that's overflowing with milk and honey. I was listening to a pastor, just a little side tidbit, this isn't my notes. Pretty much this whole part of my message has not been in my notes. I was listening to a pastor this week and he said this. He said, Canaan was not, there was not rivers of honey that were flowing in there and there wasn't waterfalls of milk. Because I don't know about you, as, as, as a child, like, I always thought, like, land that's overflowing with milk and honey. It's, like, literally, like, the Wonka factory. You know what I'm talking about, Willy Wonka? Like, the original one, not Johnny Depp's version, the real one. And, and he, they walk in, and it's this candy mountains and all this. That's the way that I viewed Canaan. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, they're, like, they're going to take the promised land. It's overflowing with candy. It's great. But he said this. He said, he said honey, how do you get honey? You got to get it from bees. How do you get milk? You get it from cows. That means there was animals there, and guess what was in there? Work to be done in order to get the milk and the honey. And so we often think of God as this God that's just like, but oftentimes God gives you the provision through your work. This is not in my notes. It has nothing to do with my message, but it's good. Sometimes provision, God's abundant provision comes through what you do. There's incredible stories all throughout the word of God and these scriptures bring us comfort they bring us joy they bring us peace and all these things are true about the word but today I want to bring something different about the word to you how many of you have ever heard it or maybe you've even said don't change who you are anybody ever said that or heard that said to you they're wrong and you were wrong because you should change who you are you should absolutely change who you are. When I was born, I've changed since I was born, and it's good that I've changed. I am no longer an infant. I'm a grown man. I don't think the same way that I thought whenever I was an infant. I'm not going around goo goo gaga, right? I'll get real with you. I'm not going around looking for milk. I eat food now. I eat broccoli. I eat, I, I eat things like green beans and, and some ribs and steak. And I eat real food because I've changed. Change is important into who we're becoming. Our goal is growth, right? So today I want to talk to you real quickly, that we can actually get into the message, I want to talk to you real quickly about change and becoming who you're called to be. You can put it like this, I need to grow. I need to grow. It's not, God doesn't just want you to grow, you need to grow. How crazy would it be right now if this morning I was like, hey Ben and Kayla, um, I know you're making breakfast for the vision team, I need you to get me a warm bottle of milk, please. 
<laughs> and then walking around with an Advent milk bottle, just or, or Dr. Phillips or whatever the other ones are. I don't remember what they are. And, and just like, just I, I, Dr. Brownie, I don't know what they are, okay? I forgot the brands. It's been six years since we had a baby, okay? And so <laughs> just sipping on a warm glass of formula. <laughs> Y'all be like, that's gross. What are you doing? But it's funny because we have so many believers that are still <laughs> on the glass of milk when God has steak for them. And I don't know about you, but steak is way better than milk. I like that part of the cow better, okay? Vegetarians, I'm sorry. You can have your plant-based steak or burger or whatever, okay? But I want, where's, uh, where's the beef? That's where I'm at, okay? Like, that's what I want. Y'all are doing better, though. Your veggie burgers are getting better. Good job. <laughs> are you in 2 Timothy? I've given you plenty of time. Chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. Let's read this together. All Scripture. Somebody say, all Scripture. How much Scripture? All Scripture. Is God-breathed. Is useful for teaching. Re rebuking. <laughs> Y'all don't like me already. Correcting. And training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is God-breathed and inspired and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that you can be equipped for every good work. Look at somebody and tell them God has good work for you. He has things that he wants you to accomplish while you're here on earth. You did not get saved just to go to heaven. And if you got saved to go to heaven, that's great. But I'm here to tell you that's not all he has for you. Huh? He didn't just come. Uh, uh, I, my wife hates it when I say this because it's one of my dad's things. And, I, and she knows exactly where I'm going already. Uh, my dad used to say it like this. Is if you got saved just to go to heaven... The best thing, I'm going to do it a little bit lighter than he does. The best thing that could happen for you is for you to die as soon as you say yes to Jesus. Because then you're assured you're not going to sin, you're not going to mess up, you're not going to fall short of the glory of God. But it's going to be, yes, heaven, there I am. I'm in heaven. Like, that is not the sole purpose of your salvation. Is it a great benefit that we have as kingdom citizens? Absolutely. But it is not what our main goal is to an extent. Please understand my heart when I say that. Our goal is to lead other people's, people's people into salvation so that they can go to heaven with us. And we've heard, said like this over the past few years, so that we can make heaven crowded. We want to see a full heaven. We want to see people rejoicing around the throne of Jesus. We want to see people come into a, a relationship and the knowledge of the love of Jesus. And that's your job. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, is what the scripture says, what Jesus said. But we have the word that helps teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us in how to do these things. And it means this the Bible is telling you this listen to me, you need to change. There's things in your life that you are going to need to change. The Word of God is not just merely a collection of words and different styles of writing. Which, by the way, in case you take everything literal in the Bible, let me just encourage you, not everything is 100% literal. Some of it is 
allegory. Some of it, there's different, there's poetic writing. There's all different kind of writing that is inside the Word of God. And we don't have time to talk about it, but maybe I, Pastor Joshua does a great, he's my older brother, he has a great series on the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is a, especially today, man, everybody's in the, everybody in the prophetic church and the charismatic church, man, are jumping all over the book of Revelation and taking everything 100% literal. Stop taking everything 100% literal in Revelation. I don't have time to expound on that this morning, but let me just put that there and in the morning. Yes, we are going to be doing for the ladies, right? For for everybody soon, we're going to be doing a Bible study on how to properly study the Word of God. And so that's going to be something that I, I encourage you. It's classes. I encourage you, if, if you want to know how to read your Bible better and understand times and seasons and, and backgrounds and all these different things, I encourage you to be a part of that. If, you're, if that just piqued your interest whenever I said about the book, well, you should probably be at that. But anyways, um, it's, it's, a, it's a divine book inspired by the Holy Spirit and carrying the authority of God. I want you to hear this too. Jesus was the Word made flesh. Meaning this, if your life reflects Jesus, it's reflecting the word, which is what we are called to be trained and equipped in righteousness through, is through the word of God. So we need to see how Jesus lived and how Jesus lived is the way that we need to live. Simple as that. Now I know none of us in this room are like super excited when we're told, hey, you need to change. Anybody who just gotten really excited when someone's like, yeah, you need to change? Married folks in here, um, or maybe you have a, uh, uh, an accountability person in your life. Uh, if, if you're single in this room, maybe there's somebody in your room that you kind of look to as a mentor, as an as a accountability partner. Uh, how many just love it when they look at you and say, you need to stop and you need to change? No one. My wife tells me that, and I get mad. <laughs> I get upset. I don't like it because we have ways and patterns that we've created over time and we've grown ingrained in our patterns. But listen, we have to be willing to, once again, challenge those patterns that we've created and filter them through the word to make sure that we're becoming who God has called us to be. Listen, the word of God is a powerful source that will call you and cause you to change. Um. You know, in order to change your physique, you have to work at it, right? There's things that you have to do that are different. You might have to change your diet. You may have to change your workouts. You may have to change different things so that you can become what the, the ultimate goal of what you're looking for. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Change is challenging. Change is challenge, and it takes effort on your part. But listen to me. Your change is on the other side of his challenge. I'm going to say this again. You might want to write it down. Your change, the change that God wants to do in your life, is on the other side of his challenge. Change is uncomfortable and change hurts sometimes, but it will make you better. Scripture actually says, those whom God loves, he rebukes and he chastens, which means he corrects. He helps you change things, and it doesn't always feel good. How many of you just know, like, ever had to discipline your kids before and tell them, don't do it that way. How many of your kids just love it? And they're like, thanks, Dad, for telling me that I did that wrong. No, my son is very outspoken in his thoughts and the and way he feels about it. And he'd be like, I'm my own person, Dad. I'm like, you're nine. You're in my house. Be quiet. <laughs> this is the way of the Lord. Walk ye in it. 
Uh, our kids, though, and listen, remember, you're a child of God, and God's your father. And so whenever he's speaking to you, it's not always going to feel good, but it's going to be for your better. You know, if your son or your daughter went to go put their hand on the stovetop when they're young, how many of you said, no, don't do that? Yeah, because you don't. Because on the other side of them doing that was what? There was actually something painful for them that they didn't understand or see yet. Listen, oftentimes when God is changing and is challenging you to change, it's actually not to try to push you away, but rather to protect you from things that the enemy and schemes of the plans of the enemy that he has already put out for you. And so whenever you embrace that challenge, it actually protects you from things that you should never engage in. When, when the Lord prompts in your spirit, the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, hey, you don't need to hang out with them in that way or manner anymore. Hmm? Oftentimes, that's because there's something that is brewing that you don't even know about yet. And it may be underlying within you or it may be an opportunity that the enemy will use those people to, to lead you towards temptation but the Lord knows what's happening and knows what is best for you. And as long as you think you know what is best for you, huh? you will never be protected from the things that God already sees happening in your future. You've got to be willing to embrace challenge to change. And listen to me, it is always for your better. God does not do anything that isn't for your better. God, does, God is not an author of destruction. God is not the author of the bad things that are happening in your life. Some of us, we've had a skewed and messed up view of God. It's like, well, divorce was just God's will for me. No, it wasn't, actually. I mean, it, listen, there's no condemnation if you are divorced in this room. But listen, that wasn't God's plan for you. It's real quiet in this room now. It was not God's plan for you for that to take place. Now, can God turn it and make all things around, turn all things around for the good of those who love them, called according to the purpose? Absolutely. Can God bring someone else into your life that is, that is incredible for you and that you two can work together and be married and live the rest of your life together and have an incredible marriage? Absolutely. These things can take place. But what I'm saying is it is not God's will. God is never a separator or a destroyer. He is always one who puts things back together. He mends the brokenhearted. He is a restorer of relationship. He, that is who God is. And so we've got to get out of this viewpoint that God does things to teach me a lesson. No, he doesn't. He speaks to you and teaches you a lesson. And then you decide whether you're going to get, understand what I say this, that you are going to understand it the easy way or understand it the hard way. Huh? You're going you're gonna to have to come into that. You're going to have to realize this. And you need to listen to God. Listen to his word. Let it change you. Amen? Y'all still with me? Now listen. I'll say it like this. There are some things you never get to experience unless you mature. There are some relationships you never get to be a part of unless you grow. Listen to me. I know we kind of prophesied about this this morning. If you are a person that will never allow God to help grow you out of rejection, you will miss relationships that God has ordained for you. Hmm? If you never allow yourself to grow beyond a certain point 
of maturity, you will miss out on things that God has for you in your life. I said this earlier, but if I was still five years old, my wife, we would not be married because that would be illegal (laughs) and she'd be arrested and weird, so many reasons, right? That we, 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 that, that can't happen. And we would both miss out on relationship that God has for us because one of us never matured and and grew up. I'm just bringing to a natural view for you so you can see this and correlate this in the spirit. If you never are willing to mature and grow in Christ and who you're called to be, you'll miss out on deep relationships that God has ordained for you and would love for you to be a part of. You'll miss out on a great community of people that God has called you to be. Now, I'm grateful that there's people in this church body that have, I have a mature relationship with, that, that people that we can talk to one another about things and have good conversations and growing conversations. I'm grateful there's people in this church body that think differently than me so that that way we can both grow and become more and more into whom God has called us to be as the church and as people of God. I'm grateful for these things. And listen to me, you ought to be grateful for that as well, but you have to be willing to grow. Amen. If you don't embrace the challenge of his word, you will not see the change he wants to bring. You cannot grow unless you're willing to change. God will not give you the rewards of his word unless you're willing to go the way of his word. I'll say that again. God will not give you the rewards. He will not release the rewards of his word unless you're willing to go the way of his word. Let me just say this. Some people don't grow because they won't get planted. If you can't find a place and just plant it, you don't grow. Anybody ever tried... God's a much better gardener than you. And I'm thankful, because I'm a terrible gardener. But I do know this little bit about gardening. If you continue to pick a plant up and put it in new soil all the time, and not only put it in new soil, this is is what people do. The Bible says, be planted in the house of the Lord to flourish in the courts of God. This is what people do. We're creatures of habit. And what we do is we find a church that we really like, and we don't even know why we like it. Maybe it's the music. Maybe it's the people. Maybe it's the preacher. I don't know. Many of us have different reasons why we choose the church that we attend. Maybe it's the theology. And so what we do is we plant ourselves there. And then one day, somebody says something that I didn't didn't like that. And we kind of like just pull up a little bit, but not all the way. Just just like, just, just... kind of agitate the roots just a little bit. And we start moving slower and slower away. And we finally just uproot ourselves. And this is what we do next. (laughs) We take two to three months looking for churches or looking for a place to get planted. And we just kind of set ourselves on top of it. We're like, "Mm, nope, I don't like that. Nope, nope, don't like that. Mm, that's better. Okay, yeah, I can deal with this. And we plan ourselves there. And then we go through the whole process again six months to a year later because we're always looking for something new. Because it's, many of your relationships went through this, the honeymoon phase, 
where everything's great. Man, the church, this church is great. The, the music's bumping. Pastor knows how to preach. The community is great. And for the first six months to a year, we're all happy. And then we start seeing a couple of things. We're like, ah, I don't know about that. And then all of a sudden, we were frustrated with where we are, and we're going to be gone from there. Listen, I'm not saying this with, like, any condemnation, anybody who's done this. But what I am saying is I believe it's important that you find a place and get planted, even if it's not here. I want you to hear me. It is, this is not about high praise. I believe it is important that you find a house and you get planted in that house. Amen? I believe that's important. Because I believe that's one of the ways that you're actually going to grow and become who God has called. According to the scripture, that's one of the ways that you're going to grow and become who God has called us to be. But we agitate ourselves all the time. We don't grow. We're wondering, why aren't you growing? It's because you aren't willing to sit still long enough and just get planted and stop trying to run to every new thing and opportunity and option that's out there. And instead, listen, if you really want to grow, find somewhere, get roots deep, and stay planted for a season. Huh? One of the greatest ways, though, I'm coming too close. I'll just stay with you for a couple more minutes. One of the greatest ways to change is to embrace the process of renewal. Scripture says that all Scripture is for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, or become greater, in, or you could say to become in greater standing with God. Renewal means this: the replacing or repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. Renewal means replacing or repair of something that is worn out run down, or broken. Can I tell you that if you haven't been churched, you have not been in church, there's places of your life that you need renewal. And if you've been churched since you were born, basically, there's definitely parts of your life and thought processes that need renewal. For a season, you know, we use deconstruct. You might hear the word, you know, y'all know what the word deconstruct. I heard it in the faith for a little while. Really through COVID, we heard a lot about it. People were deconstructing their faith. And I'm just going to, some of you may not like me after this, but not all deconstruction was bad. Not all deconstruction. There are some things that needed to be deconstructed. There are some things that need to be blown up into smithereens, never be seen again. Hmm? Not all deconstruction was bad. The biggest issue with most deconstruction is there never was no there was never a reconstruction. That's one of the biggest problems with deconstruction. Or if there was a reconstruction, it was not done through the lens of the Word of God. It was done through once again. We just deconstructed one man view of the Word and reconstructed a new man view of the Word. But listen, we must reconstruct with an unbridled version of the Word of God. It's got to be full pureness and holiness of the Word of God. And I don't mean old school holiness where if you wear, if your clavicle is showing, you're going to hell and making people sin, okay? Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it's got to be in line with who Jesus is, in line with the Word of God. That is the way that we will have a reconstruction or a proper renewal is if we do it through the Word of God. Romans 12, 2, very familiar passage. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We hear this and we say amen. But I want you to hear me. There are American churches that have ways of thinking that are actually worldly. <laughs> 
And just because, once again, your grandparents' pastor said it, your parents' pastor said it, does not mean that it's necessarily biblical. I encourage you to seek these things out. Seek out your beliefs and what you, what, what you believe is true and make sure it's in line with the word of God. And don't pluck out scriptures that are your favorite. Look at it in the totality of the word of God. Because it's easy to find a, a religious belief based on what you want to see. But listen, you've got to look at the fullness of the word of God. I'm going to get real bold. I, I feel a spirit of boldness this morning. Bless God. <laughs> I know there's a lot, of to- a lot of talks of end times right now and the Antichrist spirit, but can I just tell you real quickly, one of the greatest forms of the Antichrist spirit is improper preaching of the word of God. A wrong representation of who Jesus is is Antichrist. We are looking at the chips that are being implanted and going, Antichrist, no. The man who is standing behind the pulpit preaching hatred, that is Antichrist. I'm not saying he is the Antichrist, but I'm saying the spirit is Antichrist. That's not who Jesus is, that's not who Jesus was, and it's not who Jesus ever will be. So as church, listen, as people of God, we have, uh, we have to be willing to hold, and I'm saying this for me, you have to be willing to hold people that are uh, um, heralding the word of God and leading the church accountable. And men of God and women of God who are heralding the word of God and leading the churches of this great nation, we have to be willing to be accountable. And if we're not, we might as well just step down. Because we're not helping, we're hurting. We're hurting people. We're, we are hurting and defaming Jesus because we're preaching with the spirit of Antichrist. There are three aspects which we should embrace renewal. Number one is this teaching. We gotta embrace the renewal through teaching of the word. It enlightens our minds, it gives us a fresh perspective, and can help shape a proper understanding of God's will. The second way is through reproof and correction. When, when we are renewing our minds, there should be conviction involved. There should be changing. A breaking down of the old, a rebuilding of the new. There should be conviction involved. Conviction will help us lead us back to the right path. Listen to me. Change comes by the challenge of conviction. When you feel that conviction in your knower, you know what I mean, in your spirit. When you feel that conviction, don't run away from it. Embrace it. But that's why it's important to practice Psalm 119.11, which talks about I have hidden his word within my heart that I might not sin against God. Listen, if you know his word, it will help you. When you are renewed to his word, it will help you, lead you away from paths of unrighteousness, but rather into his path and perfect path of righteousness. Amen? Last thing is this, training in righteousness. It equips us to live, the word equips us to live a life aligned with God's standards. You will never understand the standards if you don't know the standards. That's really simple. Gideon, our youngest, our, our middle son, excuse me, used to say things like this uh, whenever he was like three or four. If there's a snake in the pool, there's a snake in the pool. Like, yeah, abs- you're right, son. If this is grilled cheese, this is grilled cheese. Absolutely, son. This is a very simple thought and same thought, but it's very powerful. If you never understand the standards, you, I mean, excuse me, you will never understand the standards if you don't know the standards. If you don't, you'll never understand the word if you don't know the word. So you have to do something to change that. You'll never be able to accomplish his will if you don't even know what his will is for your life. You'll never be able to reach the lost if you never saw how Jesus did it. 
These are simple ways of just thinking that we need to be trained in righteousness by the power of the word of God. And we end with this, at the end of the scripture, says this, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can I tell you that God equips you with the power of the Holy Spirit? That's how he equips you. Yes, through the word, but then he equips you and empowers you with the power of the Holy Spirit. He is, the word says, the Holy Spirit is our helper or our advocate. Listen, you need to receive the Holy Spirit in that manner and in that way as the one who helps you because he'll help you grow. He'll help bring things back to your remembrance. He will help illuminate the word of God. He will help uh, give you a heart of understanding and then you can be equipped to do what God has called you to do. God doesn't leave you alone and say, figure it out. He gives you a guide. He gives you his spirit. Ms. Donna, will you come play, please? <laughs> so it is. He is your Sherpa. <laughs> you got the Holy Spirit Sherpa within you, okay? He is going to lead and guide you. He doesn't leave you. He leads you. I'm going to say it again. Holy Spirit does not leave you. He leads you. He is your helper. And you may see stuff in the church that we do and Pastor Chelsea and I do as pastors, but listen to me. We can't do it on our own. We realize we are sunk without the Holy Ghost. I cannot preach on my own. I'm sunk without the Holy Ghost. I need Holy Spirit in my life. I need him to empower me, to equip me for every good work. We need the helper. You need the helper in your work. <laughs> Some of y'all really need the helper at your work. <laughs> Long suffering and practice what the word of God talks about. The gifts of the Spirit. I mean, the, the, I mean the, the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit. You really need the helper to help you bring those things into remembrance sometimes. Listen, that's who he is for you. He's your helper. And if you're willing to embrace the challenges of his word, he gives you the helper of his spirit. If you will embrace the challenges of his word, because yes, his word can be challenging to your carnal thinking and your flesh mind. But whenever you embrace that challenge, he doesn't leave you alone. He gives you the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help equip you and overcome your flesh, overcome the things that you really want to do. You need the helper. Listen, one of the greatest things you can do to be equipped for the work is realize you can't do it in your own strength. What's the scripture say? His strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength. I don't need my strength. I need his strength. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. It's, or you can say this, it is just what you need when you feel weak. His strength is just what you need whenever you feel weak. We've all been given this tool, the Word of God, to grow and blossom and become who God has called us to be. But are we willing to embrace the challenge? If, you're, if your goal is the same as ours, growing into who Jesus has called you to be, who the Holy Spirit is helping you to become, then you will embrace the challenge of the word of God. Amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Stand up to your feet. We're going to lift our hands to the Lord. I'm going to pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this word today. Lord, I thank you for the word that challenges us to change. I thank you for the word of God that is God-breathed and is, it helps us, it, it corrects us, it changes us. It molds us into whom we're called to be, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the word rebukes us at times when we need it. Thank you, Lord, the word corrects us whenever it's needed. But, Lord, it's ultimately so that we can be equipped for everything that you have for us to do. So personally today, Father, 
we submit everything to you once again. And we say, Lord, we embrace the challenge of his word to see the change and the reward that you have for us. Lord, we want to see growth in our families. We want to see growth in our children. We want to see growth in our spirit man. So, Father, we embrace that challenge. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our helper. You don't leave us alone. You don't leave us, but you lead us. So we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Will you give God a hand clap of praise? Amen.